Welcome to the Leave and Cert Guidance Podcast. My name is Dunnick O'Mahony. I'm a secondary school guidance counsellor and I also run the Leave and Cert Guidance Instagram page. Hi everyone, so welcome to this week's episode. I, I'm Katie Anna and we have Donica as well. So today we're going to be chatting about something very topical uh, for the last almost two years uh, or year and a good bit anyway, uh, COVID-19 and how it will affect CAO choices for students. I think this is something we got asked about so much, Donica, on the Instagram, the impact, but especially we're going to be talking about how students can think about the courses they pick right yeah absolutely like some students often ask me you know i'm looking to do this is that course now redundant with ceo and with covid19 coming together or i'm looking at doing this course what's the newest jobs we can look at what's going to be very beneficial in three four five years time um that my degree will be good for so yeah we look at those things today see you know if there's anything that uh, has really been affected by COVID-19, uh, will that change students' perspectives on doing that course? And if anything uh, has kind of grown out of COVID-19 um, yeah. and going forward, how big that will be? Yeah, so definitely I think there's there's kind of two sides to the pancake, if you will. There's the courses that probably students are worried to go into. So maybe start let's start off with uh, what, that landscape looks like. So we have sectors like hospitality, tourism, entertainment, um, you know, that have been, we've seen these industries been particularly hardly hit, hard hit with the pandemic. So, um, you know, what would we say to students or what would you say to students looking in those areas and kind of maybe concerned about picking that as a choice to study because of what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, well, even just starting off with tourism and hospitality, you ask anybody really what they want to do when this whole lockdown is over and they'll probably say, I want to go on holidays or I want to go to Galway and I want to drink pints and go to a concert. Yeah, and these absolutely. So that's the first thing <laughs> they want to do. So, you know, the hospitality sector will probably take a little time to recover However, mm. your degree that you'll be starting this year will probably be three or four years long. And, you know, that's what experts are generally saying by 2025, the tourism industry, the hospitality sector should be back to kind of mm. pre-COVID-19 levels of um, people, you know, going to these places and doing these things and having their drinks and their dinners and their restaurants. So, yeah, if you're looking to do hospitality or something in tourism like that, I would imagine by the time you were finished your degree, that these sectors should have recovered somewhat because I know yeah. one of the first things I want to do is go on holidays when all this, just go outside my five kilometre limit, even holidays in Ireland or anything like that, I'd be happy with. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of one of those things where you might feel a little bit apprehensive about going into it because of what's going on. But, you know, we know, I guess at this point, there's a vaccine, things are on the way up and things will open up gradually. And, you know, you don't want to make a decision just based on, I guess, what's happening now that'll impact on your career exactly. for the rest of your life. So um, also, I guess in that, with that frame of mind, um, something that we'd all probably love to do is go to a concert, uh, play a bit of music, see a bit of live music. Uh, you know, I don't know what it would feel like to be in a crowd in this day and age. I think it would be very weird. But the, entertain <laughs> the entertainment industry, which is something I, I, I as a musician as well, I, I love. I, I considered going to the likes of BIM or, or doing a music or performing arts degree. And I think maybe students feel this isn't as safe a bet as it would have been um, pre-pandemic. 
Yeah, and, and they're absolutely right to be worried about it. But a bit like the hospitality and, and tourism sector, you know, eventually it's probably going to recover. Now, music has probably suffered that industry more than a lot because a lot of their income is based on, you know, uh, crowds attending a concert really that's that's where the majority of income comes from and you know as yourself as you said you're you're a musician you probably know more about this than i would but again by the time you finish your degree i would hope that the music industry particularly um is back to where it was because like you i'm really looking forward to going to a concert i was supposed to be at the frames 20 year anniversary concert (gasps) last june and then it was moved to this july but now it's been moved to may 2022 so I'll be, so be two there. years later. And they'll be their, their 22nd year yeah. anniversary. <laughs> um, but, and I do agree, I think it will return. But equally, uh, you know, we see the, the types of uh, increase in streaming in uh, online with music and, and maybe things like recording or the industry as a whole. There's so many different areas and avenues. So I don't think you should pigeonhole yourself in. If you are, if that's your passion, absolutely go for it because you know, there's always an avenue, even in, you know, people need music as a release and as a as something to get a, you know, as escapism in these kind of times. So I think there's always going to be avenues where there will be work and um, and jobs available. So that's a really good Absolutely. point. And, and as you were saying, there's so many avenues now, like really people have adapted during COVID-19. Um, yeah. And even if you were a musician, if you have your own YouTube channel and you're getting so many views and things like that, you can be paid from that. You know, there's plenty of different opportunities if you adapt, overcome and improvise is what they say. And uh, I think a lot of people, not just in the music industry, but throughout our country particularly, have really done that. You know, and if you're looking at entertainment as well, like certain parts of entertainment has suffered, but certain parts have really grown. Like if you look at the likes of all of these streaming services that we have, like Netflix, uh, Disney Plus, uh, Apple Plus. I know in in um, America they have Hulu and a couple of other streaming services. Like they need to produce more and more and more content every time. Yeah, and it's probably the best time to be an actor or screenwriter or producer or director, because now more than ever there's more opportunities for people in the entertainment industry like this. And because of this, and like that, even the YouTube platform again, uh, to vlog, uh, to, to do different things, there's so many opportunities in entertainment now. And I think yeah. if you're an actor or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, that, you know, the world is your oyster. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I think entertainment, performing arts, those kind of sectors, we're all going to be, you know, queuing up in the next few years. So I, I, I also agree. I don't think it should be something students should worry about in terms of, of their choices. And um, moving into then, I guess, the the heroes of the pandemic and looking at things like, you know, medicine, science, public health, um, nursing, all of the, the I guess, these, these kind of roles we've heard a lot about because we've needed them so desperately at these times do we think there'll be an increase or an increased demand an increase in, in interest or you know what would you think about that in terms of CAO and choice this year like a lot of medical fields even before COVID-19 uh, didn't have enough uh, staff in it particularly nursing and, and other health science related areas uh, with regards to the pharmaceuticals I think that's going to be a massive industry going forward uh-huh. if you look at you know, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, 
when we, everybody was trying to see who was the first company going to come out with a vaccine, it actually reminded me of the space race in the 50s and 60s. Who mm. could get there first? Who's going to win? And I think that's just added to that industry. And I think that competition has developed and more and more money is going to be put into research. So whether you're studying epidemiology or disease or, or chemical science, whatever the case may be, I think there's a lot of money going to be put into research because there's going to be a huge return on it as well. So I think pharmaceuticals is going to be massive. Science, again, there's a huge shortfall in scientists in Ireland and in all these areas, particularly the STEM subjects, science, technology, engineering, maths, there's a huge shortage of females in these areas as well. Mm. And it's really important to have the female perspective in all these areas. And it's not just, you know, we're only saying we need females for the sake of it. The only way we can fill the void in computer science, in engineering, in maths, is to have more females in it. That's the only way to do it. So that's why there's such a drive uh, to have more girls picking STEM subjects. So you look at computer science in mm. Ireland here, 85% of undergrads are male. Um, wow. And we need more females in this. If we're going to fill the gaps that we have, we're going to need more females taking up these courses. Yeah, absolutely. Right, ladies, get on it. <laughs> Perfect. Even there's, there's brilliant scholarships for girls yeah. who are looking. Like Google um, have an excellent scholarship um, where any female who's doing undergrad computer science, it, it, the, the scholarship is worth 5,000 euros per year for your four uh -huh. years in college. I know the Nocton Foundation have a brilliant scholarship for people in STEM as well. So there's loads of opportunities, particularly if you're a girl looking to get into these areas. Yeah, wow, that's that's amazing opportunity. And I think a lot of these, we're seeing an increase in a lot of these digital areas, you know, e-commerce, we're all buying online. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I guess with COVID, it's really changed the landscape for digital and even, um, you know, the changes in that right now. And I think there there's high demand and, and they're probably very safe bets for um, for students to look at as well. Yeah, so since 2014, uh, e-tailing or online retailing, um, has steadily grown in Ireland. So even before COVID-19. Now, I did a little survey with my students the other day, like, hands up who's bought something in the last six months online. And everybody's hand went up. Hands oh, up yeah. who bought something the last three weeks. Everybody's hand went up. Hands yeah. up who bought something online in the last week. And I would say 90% of the hands went up. And a lot of them said we actually shopped online before COVID-19 for a yeah. number of reasons. Number one, it's so convenient. Like if you're working from nine o'clock till six o'clock, you're not going to get to a shop in the high street because they'll be closed by the time you're finished work. So it's absolutely convenient to shop online. Um, everybody says there's there's more of a variety online. Um, yeah. That, you know, like I was in the Nike store the other day and I couldn't believe the variety that you wouldn't see in a sports shop because they have to carry all the brands and they've only so much space. Things like that. It is massively convenient. There is more. It's probably a little bit cheaper if you buy online as well because their costs are down. You know, they're not paying for rent in a high street shop or, or they're not paying for as many employees. So I yeah. can see retailing, online retailing really growing like 2.8 billion last year alone in Ireland. Um, is massive so and it's going to be I think one of the biggest industries in Ireland in the next few years absolutely and then kind of to back off of that anything around digital marketing um, you know media planning media buying strategy I think all of these areas 
are going to be huge as well because even for services um, everybody has to kind of look at their online profile now their website their advertising and um, we're not really going out to see billboards above the line advertising and more traditional methods um, we're, we're not really out and about to see it so it's all gone digital and um, that's you know the, the sector I guess that I work in and we, there's just been huge growth huge growth and um, so I think you know anything in, around those kind of areas as well students you know we'll see probably we'll see a big increase in those kind of courses as well yeah so look if if i have a product that i'm trying to sell to generation z how do i market it to them am i going to buy a newspaper advertisement no because that generation is not reading broadsheets or anything like that am i going to uh, buy a radio advertisement no because a lot of them are listening to spotify or some sort of streaming service you know am i going to buy a tv advert unlikely because they're streaming their tv or they're watching youtube you know, social media, digital marketing, all of that going forward is really going to be the way for marketing. And I suppose even when we mention social media, this might sound silly, but I really believe that social media influencers are actually going to get bigger and bigger over the next few years. Like, And it, it depends on what your niche is. Like I follow loads of, of guys who, who and girls who review golf clubs. And there's particular guys that if they say, this is the golf club you need to be on, I'm like, okay, I'm buying that. You know, and, and mm-hmm. this is just an average golfer. And, and he's talking, and, and that's who it's aimed at. And I'm an average golfer. So that's who I want to review that product for me. Yeah. And I'm looking yeah. at this guy's video and he's got 1.2 million views. Like, that's incredible to have one. Like, if you're getting a, a, an advertisement on telly, the likelihood of you getting 1.2 million views in that advertisement is very uh, you know, it's it's unlikely, and yeah. so whatever your niche is, whether it's you know golf, health and fitness, sports, even reviewing books, films, things like that, whatever sort of an influencer you are, if you can find your niche and grow an audience, you know it could really benefit you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know there's so many people who have gone online and made businesses out of it. For example, people like maybe makeup artists, hairstylists who had a client base are now doing online tutorials or online masterclasses and getting a lot of money for it. And there, there is a market for that because we're all we all need to, you know, uh, make do with what we can during yeah. the pandemic. So I, I totally agree. I think influencing online sponsorship partnerships, it's all we're going to see it really, you know, take off as well. Um so I wanted to maybe uh, change tact slightly um, and just ask you about studying abroad and Erasmus, um, you know, even degrees that have a built-in um, travel and study or maybe university college swaps um, with other uh, um, institute, institutes. What will, you know, what would students be thinking at this time about those kind of things? Should they be worried? Should they you know, steer clear, what kind of advice would you be giving them? Yeah, so that's a tricky one. Look, Erasmus is different because it's optional. It's an opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go for a semester, you can go for a year. Um, I think Erasmus is great. And the fact that, look, you get a little grant to do it and, and go for it is, you know, you're not really missing out um, if you don't go on Erasmus. But then there's other courses, like you were saying, like I'm looking at, say, you know, um, business and French in DCU where you spend two years in DCU and two years in France like that's a bigger commitment if mm. you're looking at um, you know the course in Trinity College uh, where you can do two years in Trinity and then two years um, in New York you know again 
that's a very difficult decision to make. Yeah. Um, I would be hopeful, but I was very hopeful this time last year that we weren't going to be in, you know, lockdown or restrictions. I would be hopeful, though, uh, because of where the vaccine is going, yeah. that we should be able to do those things uh, in the next Absolutely. couple of years. Yeah. So I would say go for it. Absolutely go for it. Um, yeah. With the Erasmus study abroad, you know, it's, it's an option. And if, it, if you get it, great. But the other courses where it's, it's a huge uh, area of the degree, I would still say go for it. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, universities, third level institutions have been brilliant in overcoming different situations in the last couple of years. So I think yeah. if that's still the case, by the time you have to go, um, that they will have something prepared and ready. Absolutely. And I guess this brings us on to kind of the topic of, you know, how students have had to cope within their courses and within the current climate. Like we were just saying there that there will be probably um students who will have done even 50 50 uh, of their degree online and maybe hopefully 50 percent on on campus in um, their given university or, or college uh, or institute so like it really has tested students and there's a lot of you know agility needed and um, pivoting and a change of mindset uh, in any course because it's all online right now yeah well even if you look at leave inserts this year and last year you know a few students were worried is my leave insert because there was calculated grades or accredited grades, is it going to be seen like everybody else's? Well, number one, it is. Number two, yes. if I'm an employer and I see that you faced that situation and you overcame the situation, that you showed resilience, that you adapted to your environment and you came out of it in a positive way, I yeah. think that's a phenomenal selling point um, to an employer to take you that, you know, no matter what happens, I can adapt to that situation. Totally. Um, I think resilience is a really key word, you know, being agile, as you say, like you see a student that's overcome that. So my own sister has done her last two years of her degree online. She did her placement um, in a, a, a kind of a corporation online she was in all their meetings virtually on teams and zoom and she just adapted to it and you know they were so impressed with her and, and we were also impressed with her and doing her dissertation everything was hypothetical in terms of the research methods and I really do think that it doesn't hinder at all it's just only shows you know your ability to adapt to the situation and be agile and really overcome these hardships because I think everyone realizes that it's not the situation anyone would like to be in you know it is it is very difficult for students but I think it only will benefit you when you go into the job market in a couple of years absolutely um so in terms of humanities and you know where we're at with the humanities courses I think will you know will people feel a bit apprehensive about choosing courses in those areas or or what would your advice be for anyone thinking about going into the humanities sector yeah so look I, I'm a humanities graduate um I think every year students are worried about you know what do I do with a humanities or arts degree or something like that huge amount of transferable skills in a humanities or arts degree you know you're talking about teamwork analytical thinking problem solving communication project management interpersonal leadership skills you know these are just to name a few if, if you can show me those skills if I'm an employer well I'm going to add to your skill set by what I need you to do around uh, the workplace like I know you can work as part of a team I know you can communicate effectively I know you can meet deadlines 
And that's what I'm looking for, somebody with that uh, level of education. Um, so I would still be a fan of humanities and arts degrees. Personally, if I was to update a humanities or arts degree, I probably would have a little bit more uh, IT in it. Um, and and yeah. skills of, of IT and, and, you know, that they can bring a little bit more to whatever their chosen career is. Because, look, IT is in everything. If you want to do a computer science degree, you can help with climate change. You can help with COVID-19. Look at our COVID-19 tracker app. If you're into sports science or sports, you could use your computer science to, to show different data and how we can improve things. Like sports science in the last 10 years has grown massively. No matter what your your area is that you love, you could bring uh, IT skills to it. So with regards to humanities and arts, I would say absolutely continue to go for those if that's your passion. Um, yeah. It's not like you'll have no opportunities at the end of it. Totally. I think, I think you know, you've covered it all there and there is going to be so many transferable skills that you can bring into any role with those kind of degrees. I did one myself uh, and I know that it's, you know, it's a, it's a super um, kind of, it's a really, you are at a vantage point because you have so many avenues you can go down and you can change your mind almost through your course of where you want to go career-wise. I know I did multiple times yeah. um, and it really left me in, in a great position. So I totally agree. Um, Dunnick, I know we touched on, the kind of sectors we feel are really going to thrive, but there is a CAO alert list of courses. Maybe tell us a bit about that and you know what students can know about this, this list. So the CAO alert list is really, really good. So if you just type in CAO alert list into Google, uh, it'll bring you onto the page that you want to go to. And basically each third level institution has an alert list for whatever updates they have for the next academic year, whether that's bringing a new course, whether entry requirements have changed, whether it's discontinuing a course, whatever the case may be. But I always love to look out for CEO alert lists to see what new courses are coming on stream. Because generally institutions and universities work with industry partners to see what is needed in the world of work, what's needed in the workforce. Um, and industry partners generally uh, are able to put across what they need. Like if you look in the last few years, there's been a number of sustainability degrees and environmental sorry, environmental science degrees brought on. There's been a number of data science degrees brought on. Uh, lots of areas like that. You know, there's a huge shortage of language teachers in secondary school and there's been yeah. three new degrees brought out in, that in the last three years. Uh, or last two years. So the CEO alert list kind of shows you uh, what's what the market trends are, so to speak. So if you can go on that and see that maybe there's something you like on it, um, that will more than likely mean that it's in demand. Brilliant. Yeah, that's a great resource. And I think there's, you know, it's great for students to be able to go on and kind of see what's fresh and being updated. And, you know, even probably some courses coming on will be courses of the future, you know, and, and really in demand. So, so it's a great resource. Just to wrap up, um, Dunica, I think, you know, we're at a pivotal point in the process for students right now where we're right coming up to the change of mind. Maybe you could remind students of the key dates and, you know, where they are at in their journey with CAO. Yeah, so the 5th of May is when the change of mind facility opens up. Um, so a lot of students mightn't have even filled in any courses in February. They're going to wait till the mm. change of mind opens up. And that's absolutely fine. Um 
So you can go in, you can add in new courses, you can take out courses, you can move your courses up and down your list. You just okay. can't add in restricted courses. But other than that, you can add in everything else. And you have until the 1st of July. So you can take out as many as you want, put in as many as you want, uh, and keep going like that right up until the 1st of, of July. I would say if there's courses you would be interested in, put as many down on the list as possible. So the more choices you have, uh, the better. Uh, also in May... You'll be given a statement of application by the CEO. Now, this is usually posted out, but last year it was sent by email. And I presume this year it's going to be sent by email too. And basically the CEO is saying, can you double check all of your details and make sure we have everything correct? And if it's not correct, will you get in contact with us? And Mm. if it is correct, you don't have to do anything at all. Okay. If you don't have a statement of application by the 1st of June, you should contact the CEO as well. Okay, so that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. I guess in conclusion, on all accounts and all courses, really students should just do what they really want to do, what they're passionate about, where their heart lies, and it won't send them wrong because it's a long career you're going to have. A course, while short, is your launch pad into that. So I really think a lot of the advice is super sound and would give students a bit of clarity, hopefully, on, on where things are headed. But um, no, yeah, I think you're it's... absolutely right. And I would say your degree is is a foundation for the start of your lifelong learning. So make sure your degree is something you are passionate about, just like you said, Katie Anna. And that's really important if you're going to be successful in it. It's best that you're really passionate about it. Totally. Um, so, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this podcast please don't forget to check us out on instagram at leaving cert guidance um you know and really we have updates there donica knows everything about everything when it comes to these these updates and it's ever changing i guess so um you do follow us there and don't forget to to tune in uh to the podcast for our episodes but um donica thanks i think there's a lot of wisdom and uh kind of guidance there that you bring to this topic so it's been great to to chat to you about this and i hope students have found it helpful brilliant thanks katie Anna. thank you